Welcome to Real Herbalism Radio. Real herbs, real life, real easy. Now, a word from our sponsor. This show is brought to you by Practical Herbalist Press, herbal books for today's practical herbalist. Find their books on Amazon.com today. Herbalists live in many environments, country, farms, and cities. Urban herbalists often envy their country cousins' ability to grow many medicinal herbs, but that envy may well be misplaced. Today we're talking with Bonnie Rose Weaver, herbalist and author of Deeply Rooted, Medicinal Plant Cultivation in Tectropolis, and Mari Amend, editor of Deeply Rooted and all 1849 Medicine Garden publications about growing herbs in small and city spaces. Now here are your hosts, Candace Hunter and Sue Sierra Lupe. I'm Candace Hunter. And I'm Sue Sierra Lupe. And welcome to Real Herbalism Radio. I am so excited to have you guys in the in the studio here today, Bonnie and Mari. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So you are here on Book Tour. Yeah, and all you're, the way from the Bay Area. Yeah. To our valley. <laughs> to our sopping wet valley. Is it as damp there as it is here? Because it's really damp here, like, all the time. No, so, we've been in a drought for, like, the past five years. So oh. I just take out my rain shell. <laughs> <laughs> Remember what it looked like? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's old-fashioned colors now. <laughs> it's out of style. That's all right. Yeah, so we we got a hold of you via Facebook. And that was a nice little surprise. And I hadn't heard, I've heard about herbal CSAs before. We actually did a little, there was a news story about one. Gosh, it was, uh, I think we recorded it a couple of months ago, as I recall. But time is not really my my strong point. And then here y'all show up doing an herbal uh, CSA for real, like real life, and not only doing one, but writing about it. That kind of, that was kind of surprising. So what's it like on your end? Where, tell me about you. Like, how did you even come up with that? That's, that's new ideas. <laughs> yeah, well, um, my story as an urban farmer starts as, well, I guess I should rewind. My story as an herbalist starts as an urban farmer. And um, I write in Deeply Rooted about my kind of first healing journey, which was when I... I was living in the Northwest and I started hearing about herbalism and it was kind of like a foreign language to me. I had truly never heard of somebody using plants to heal. I grew up in San Francisco and so it was just, I could not imagine Mm -hmm. what it would be like to use plants instead of pills. That was the urban jungle, really. I mean, San Francisco was the urban jungle. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. it wasn't a custom in my family to use herbs. I actually grew up with asthma, and so I was taking inhalers and steroids Mm -hmm. since I was a kid. Wow. And I started to become familiar with herbalism through gardening and through living in in the Northwest. This is when you were at Evergreen College? Yes, I was living in Olympia, and... I kind of set out one day and rode my bike to the herb shop and read a bunch of the herb books that they have there and left with a few bags of colt's foot and nettles and elecampane stuff. Yeah. And I went home and I made the tea every day. And after about three months, I really noticed a big difference. And since that day, I've never taken my inhalers. Nice. nice. And that's impressive because I know San Francisco gets a lot of um, smog and stuff, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's certainly it in. a condition. Asthma is a condition of the cities, not having good air quality and 
that is definitely kind of like a target issue for a lot of city folks, um, you know, having trouble breathing and stuff. And so after that, about six months later, I ended up moving back home. I finished my time at Evergreen and I was back in SF again. And it was a few years ago, it was in 2011, uh, 2010 that I graduated college. And so the economy wasn't as uh, robust as it is today, especially mm-hmm. with the tech boom that we're having. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't really sure what to do. You know, I had graduated college and kind of a bunch of mod podge of stuff from Evergreen. And I, um, I ended up deciding to volunteer at an urban farm. Okay. And that farm is called Little City Gardens. And it's in San Francisco. It's three quarters of an acre and they were growing vegetables and flowers and I just really liked being there. And slowly over time, I kind of developed this love of farming and, you know, really got to understand the skills and the practices of farming. The connection. Yeah. The connection to the earth was really meaningful, especially being in the city. Mm -hmm. And so at that time, I was also really interested in herbalism as I had had this herbal success a few months before and I kept studying and I, I literally went to the public library every day and checked out all the books on herbalism and I had a, <laughs> a stack as high as my bed nice. and I read them over and over again. And uh, a couple of years later in 2012, I actually came up here to Oregon to go to herb farm. And that's kind of where I really got, you know, Williams. sucked my feet in and yeah, got to meet some great teachers and herbal ed. Yeah. <laughs> Him and, and, um, a lot of the farmers that work there are really knowledgeable and there's a whole, you know, herbal community in Williams. That's really special. And so after that, I came back to SF and again, I wasn't sure what to do, but the people who work at Little City Gardens, they had a plot of land that they had been farming before, mm-hmm. so they weren't using it anymore. And they said, you should go and use that that land. Mm-hmm. And it was a 16th of an acre behind an apartment building at 18th and Guerrero, mm-hmm. which is quite a busy part of SF, heart of the mission, heart of the gentrification and the tech boom and stuff that we're experiencing right now. And so it was this little oasis and I started working there with a friend and then eventually on my own. And for a year or so, it was a hobby. And then after that, it became something that I was so passionate about. I knew I had to find a way to sustain myself. And that's when I started the Herbal CSA. And that's how the 1849 medicinal herb, medicine herb garden, medicine garden, I keep wanting to say medicinal herbs, sorry. <laughs> but that's how that got started, right? That's the story, yeah. And what made you choose 1849? Yeah, that's a great question. So 1849 is a, a year, and it's a year that's very important to San Francisco and the Bay Area because it's the year of the gold rush. And when I was choosing the name, I really wanted to talk about the place that I was in and that being in San Francisco was is an important part of the work that I do. Um, and I didn't want to say it outright. So I chose that year. And that year to me represents a time in which the landscape really changed. And it represents a moment in history that was a huge pivot for where we are even today and the commerce and the industries that developed. And I use the name uh, almost as a critique or as a question of who gold rush for who, 
because it certainly wasn't a gold rush for the indigenous people. It certainly wasn't a gold rush in terms of the environmental impact. And I really want to be critical of kind of the context of time and place. And uh, that for me goes back into the healing work that we're doing of, you know, what's the history of this land and what is the work that we need to do to acknowledge where we've come from in order to create the, the place and the culture that we want to live in. It sounds like you're also working toward reclaiming some of what was stripped away as a part of that. So it's a whole new gold rush for the modern era, but it's a completely different kind of gold. Oh, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I can't even begin to tell you the parallels that 2014, 15, and 16 have with 1849 and the sense of um, frustration I have about my hometown. There's so much that has changed and I certainly um, have benefited a great deal from it, but I also am very critical of what's going on in SF right now and how that's affecting the people that live there and the, the yeah, again, the, you know, social so, and um, ecological changes that are happening that we, I think we really want to shed some light on with this project and and kind of this book tour that we're doing right now. Yeah. So exactly. How did you two get, how did you two hook up on this? Because Mari, you're not actually like, you're not a farmer. No, no. I I do have some experience farming, but not very much. You play one on TV. (laughs) (laughs) I do sometimes act, but um, not usually as a farmer, though I am wearing overalls today. Uh, I play the part. So Bonnie and I actually met in my house at, um, in the mission. So kind of diagonally the opposite end of the mission from Bonnie's garden. Um, but my roommate was looking for someone to help us grow some herbs and food and in our backyard, which when I moved in was just a pile of weeds and a bunch of cement. Um, so Bonnie came tiny, right? I'm assuming super small, Yeah, (laughs) there's two really good kind of rectangles for planting. And, and Bonnie was the most, uh, lovely seeming person who answered the (laughs) Craigslist ad. And so she came over and then a few months later we needed a new roommate and Bonnie was looking for housing. So we ended up living together, all that to say. Um, and we, that was right about when Bonnie was starting to kind of establish her local business. So she'd been gardening, but I remember she like got her business license and went to city hall and registered and all of that Um, right about then. And then, um, we kind of, I think I helped her apply to a few jobs. We basically worked together as a writer editor Mm -hmm. in that relationship a few times, and then it worked really well. So once, um, 1849 needed more like written material, that's when we started officially working together. So whose idea was the book? Which one of you, or was that something that just sort of grew up? It's a funny story, actually. So right about that time, Bonnie, also, she she pitched, she, we were sitting in the kitchen making dinner, and she turns <laughs> to me and she's like, I have this idea and I want to make a pitch and I want you to record it. All right. <laughs> so I was like, okay. So I started recording <laughs> and I, to- I forgot about this until about a month ago. But she pitched me the book, essentially. She was like, I want to write a book and I want it to be about these things. And this is like 2014, I think, maybe the winter. Um, and then almost exactly a year later, she uh, pitched it again. But this was just over dinner at a different... She'd moved by then and she was like, hey, I think we're going to we're gonna put together all the stuff we've written and we're going to make it a book and then we're going to go on a tour and here's the list of cities we're going to go to. Sweet. Wow. <laughs> so we did. We we spent the last, I guess, nine months at this point, just really, um, honing in on the essays that are in there. Those are all 
they're old ideas, but new, newly written and then kind of honing, um, crafting all of the different herb, um, monographs is what we call them. Mm-hmm. They're in the back of the book. So those are kind of like it's a really nice how to selection. grow them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what their, what their essence, their spirit medicine is and the folklore behind the herb and a little like when to take them, what they, what they might be good for. Um, cute yeah. One of the things, beautiful drawings. Yeah. One of the things I love about the selection you guys have made is that I know they grow well in San Francisco, but they're actually, many of them are like almost, I don't want to say universal, but you know, up here in Oregon, we've got, we can grow many of these. I know back in Minnesota, where I came from, there's a decent number of these that will grow. Like you guys chose a really nice selection that makes your book much more universal. Mm-hmm. The Cortegas grows all over the place. We have a little yeah. thing on Hawthorne, and that's yeah. one of the things that we discovered is there aren't very many places that there isn't a Hawthorne native to that continent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, penguins, you're, you're, you're out of luck. There are <laughs> yeah. nothing on Antarctica, but yeah, you've got a, a pretty good selection. And you also cover a, a variety of conditions with this, which is nice too. Yeah, so the direct line between the CSA and the book is that the monographs, we have 20 of them and 18 were the um, complements to the CSA. They were nice um, formatted as a chapbook, so a tiny zine. And that's the work that Marie and I were doing together, editing and writing. And we um, part of the idea for the book was we have to put all these chapbooks into one, one place. Yeah, yeah, and so we reformatted them and... That's half of Deeply Rooted. It's beautiful, yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I know came up for you is that you had your wonderful garden, you started growing a ton, and then your landlord said, hey, guess what? You know, and then you had to move. How did that help your project as opposed to hinder it? Or did it totally hinder it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, a personal motto of mine is death is rebirth. Nice. And exactly a year ago, um, in the beginning of October, I had just closed down the garden. I'd been given notice on September 1st. And so this book tour is actually kind of a rebirth for me in a sense, because October, November, December, the winter of last year, fall into winter was really hard. Um, I was like really pretty sad and, um, confused about what to do. You know, I, I felt like I have a calling of being a medicine farmer and encouraging people to use herbs. And I'm really passionate about local herbs. And so I feel like a commitment to my hometown of bringing that to them and, and that, you know, in San Francisco, I'd have to grow them. And so I'm just kind of sitting in my room all winter wondering, what do I do? How do I, what's the next step? And, um, ultimately asking questions about what the next step is for my business is what's the next step for me. And, really kind of going down in my core and in my root and saying, what do I want? And, um, I think that I kind of, you know, like a Phoenix or something came out of that in a even kind of more magnificent way, because I did, I came to Murray and I said, I have this vision and it's, it's grand and it, it seems kind of outlandish. And, um, it, it really felt like a pipe dream at the time, but I knew that, um, well, Deeply Rooted um, manifested almost as like a goodbye project to the garden. But in the practice, in the, in the, in the birthing pro- process, it, it has its own life and it has its own meaning of what it means to, you know, do a project like 
like 1849, like an herbal CSA and write about it and tell people about it and what that means, because that in and of itself is a really big message, sharing healing and sharing these stories of resilience, especially in the digital age and the modern age as urban people. And it's just been a really incredible journey. And I think something that was so special about the garden space that Bonnie was cultivating was how much of a sanctuary it was, but sanctuaries are often not, it was very hidden. It was not very accessible to the naked eye. You didn't just see it when you were walking by. Right. Um, and I think so much of this project has brought out what it means to kind of bring the message of herbalism to other people and be out in the streets, actually making accessible this knowledge. And I think like we talked about a little earlier in the Pacific Northwest, there is a lot more herbalism in daily life, but in San Francisco, it's really, it's really uncommon. Right. <laughs> a lot of my friends don't know anything about it. Um, they're really curious that they're, they're always asking the question like, Oh, well, do you really think it works? Those kinds yeah. of questions. And I think <laughs> just exposing people to it is really challenging and it's not the work that, you know, is the most, like, I think Bonnie is happiest with plants and yeah. <laughs> with getting her hands dirty, but I think there's something really exciting about being out and talking to people. And, you know, we've been meeting with other healers and other kind of um, natural workers and people who make sponges for women's menstruation and just yeah. like getting in the world and talking to all these people and sharing ideas and kind of seeing what grows out of that. And there's a lot, there's a lot of new and different ideas that grow out of that work. So you started with, you just wanted your own little garden with herbs, but you were wanting culinary herbs or did you want medicinal herbs too? At my house, we, we, well, kale grows really well in my backyard is what we found out, but we had a combination. Um, My roommate was really open to, I think, growing more medicinal herbs and, and culinary herbs and all different kinds of things. So she definitely wanted some edibles, but there were, we, I don't remember what else grew back there. Yeah, I think we, we, we just kind of, you know, we met and it was totally random Craigslist thing. And then as it developed, you know, she said, oh, you have a, you know, a knack for herbs. I, that sounds great too. And oh, let's do some flowers. So it was, I think, really just a collaborative project. And yeah. Yeah, she's one of um, our biggest fans. So <laughs> <laughs> she's very into herbalism. So you have a background with writing and... Yeah, so I uh, studied literature in at college and have done a lot of more writing and theater projects, um, but I love also editing people's work. I do a lot of editing of cover letters. Um, and but, billboards. Yeah, yeah. Really anything. I know how um, Yeah, so I, just, I was just working at Mother Jones magazine um, up until June in kind of a marketing and writing capacity, mm-hmm. writing and marketing land, um, but on the side was doing a lot of projects. I just did a project about the California drought where I interviewed people from all over California about their experience in our kind of, at that time it was a four year drought. Now it's about five years. Um, and turned that into a play that was made up of monologues based on these interviews. Um, so that's, that's my personal work. And I think coming to, uh, work on 1849 medicine garden projects, it's been really fun because we kind of collaborate in, in that story, like our workshop uh, yeah. that we're offering on tour should be really fun because it's, it's about herbs and it's about healing, but it's also kind of about everybody sharing a little bit of their own story and kind of get it, getting out of their shell and, you know, right. Reflecting and writing and, and talking to each other. And 
building community in that way. The name of your play that you just mentioned? Uh, the play that I wrote was called uh, is called Dry Five Stories from the California Drought. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a website that's very rudimentary at the moment, but it's drive5stories.org. We expect the next one to be herb-centered. Yes. Just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> now it's time for a Real Herbalism Radio sponsor break. The Practical Herbalist Press, that's in addition to our website and our podcast. That is right. Practical Herbalist Press is all about providing really good books and information by written by experienced herbalists. Us. Us. But others eventually <laughs> yes, as well. That's very true. And it's bite-sized information that we research the heck out of. We have medical information out there that we're really doing a lot of research on. We are we have growing gardening with herbs. We got stuff for about pets, your yes. home, your family. Ethnobotany. Ethnobotany. Mm-hmm. We also put it in terms of the traditional ways we've talked about historic. Herbs, like yeah. Historic. Mm-hmm. Whether they're warm and cooling, that right. sort of thing. Mythical and very practical stuff. The Practical Herbalist Press is dedicated to providing the best herbal-related books on the market. Look for our titles on Amazon, search for the Practical Herbalist Press, or visit our website at practicalherbalistpress.com. Well, one of the things I found inspiring about what you're doing is that you did amazing work in a sixteenth of an acre. And I live on a super... It's really tiny. (laughs) I live on a super busy street, and... Many of my neighbors, you know, they're out there spraying their ortho or other nastiness and they've got the green grass even through the drought. And Oregon has a drought every summer, it's mm-hmm. six to eight weeks usually. The plants here know how to handle it, but the grass, you know, the grass just goes dormant. It's fine. Mm-hmm. But everybody, all the neighbors, they're like keeping their grass watered, which is really ultimately not good for the environment. And so I really want to turn my front yard into kind of a demonstration garden with a lot of herbs and herbalism going on. And I was thinking, oh, how can I do like signs or something? How am I going to do that so that, you know, how, how did you handle doing some of that, getting the word out and showing people when you had your demonstration garden? Yeah, well, for San Francisco, a 16th of an acre is a big backyard. San Francisco is yeah. only seven by seven miles. So, yeah. um, and we're just used to um, small spaces and that's kind of part of the stress and the, the culture of the city. Um, so... Your question is, how did I get the word out? Yeah, how did you how did te- how did you use your garden to teach? Sure. Well, um, my mission with eighteen forty nine has kind of always been uh, access to an education about herbal medicine, and it certainly is difficult in a city full of, as Mari described, skeptics. <laughs> <laughs> I think ultimately, you know, part of the healing process for urbanites is connection and trusting that connection to plants, trusting plants as a healer and, and, and kind of getting in touch with the soil. So, um, funny enough, I'm quite a Luddite myself, but the biggest, um, bridge to accessing my clientele was Instagram Oh yeah, because I've seen your I've seen your stuff on Instagram and been quite <laughs> impressed actually. Thank you. Well, my sister helped me set that up. I didn't have a smartphone at the time. Good job, sister. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, all my friends are saying you have to get a Facebook page, you have to do it social media, and so I started doing that. And suddenly, you know, growing 
two dozen herbs in a backyard became growing herbal medicine for San Franciscans. (laughs) And it's really, it was kind of a reframing even for myself. And, um, I think, you know, by example and by kind of, um, you know, gentle, persistent encouragement, I got, you know, 20, 25 people on board to join my CSA and they told their friends and, um, you know, it's, it's, there's always more people to talk to about how herbs really do work. Yeah. Yeah. And especially in the city. Um, and it's great because I always say, you know, all of our ancestors use plants as medicine. And so I'll talk to a room full of people and they might have different backgrounds and, you know, slowly out of the, out of the cracks comes, Oh yeah, my abuelita did that. Or, Oh yeah, my mom does this thing when I get sick. And it's just, it's really, um, heartwarming to me to know that it's kind of a universal thing. And again, I just go back to connection, connecting to our, you know, ourselves, our community, our ancestors. And, you know, I think what was so um, meaningful about learning to farm was that I was connecting to the place that I live and the soil there. Yeah. We don't necessarily think of San Francisco as like the most fertile place, mm-hmm. but you know, knowing how to grow your own food or, or knowing how to grow your own medicine is a really powerful feeling. It is. Are there herbs that your community have asked you to grow that were unfamiliar to you that you kind of had to learn literally from the ground up? Um, you know, so they're all just like lemon balm. Yay, I can do that easily. <laughs> I never really had anybody request us any specific herbs because so much of my um, community were either already Western herbalists or like kind of newbies. Mm-hmm. Um, I certainly, in the process, found a lot of allies, a lot of uh, acupuncture practitioners, acupuncturists that you know found a lot of curiosity and enjoyment from my project and. Um, I write about a friend who's an acupuncturist in the book and another friend who's an acupuncturist has an essay in the book about seasonal wellness. Nice. And we taught, her name is Lauren Kaneko Jones, and we taught uh, several classes about what seasonal health means across different types of herbalism. So she would bring her knowledge from TCM and I would bring my knowledge basically from the garden and Western herbalism. And we would just say, okay, what's fall about? It's about, you know putting your energy down to the ground, letting go, um, scaling back, harvesting. And, and so those are really fun classes that we turned into an essay in the book. Nice. Yeah. Was there any one herb that you would say is like typifies what you tried to do with what you were doing with 1849 medicine garden with the publications and with deeply rooted? Is there any one that's like the most deeply healing, mm-hmm. like the the queen, if you will, of Are you saying this? favorites? I'm not <laughs> saying favorites because how can any herbalist have a favorite? That would be wrong. That's like choosing a favorite child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, there's several book, uh, herbs that Mari and I kind of like to touch on when we talk. Um, a personal favorite of mine is mugwort. I found a mm. lot of depth and healing through my dream work with mugwort um certainly a lot of love for hawthorne and you know through heartbreak and personal growth and um a herb that we kind of feature in the book is motherwort too i have a friend who had used motherwort um this is a story from the from the book she used motherwort during a breakup and then came into the garden and and met motherwort for the first time and kind of freaked out because it was like this lifelong teacher that she had 
That's known so cool. but never met. <laughs> that is so cool. That is so cool. Yeah. What about for you? I think well personally the herb that I really got down with was nettles. Is um and I think nettles. I was pretty I had a pretty serious sickness almost exactly a year ago that lasted for a few it was just mono. But oh, I had it as not just which honestly really, that's not a just. That's, that's a really period. especially in a dill it's a dill. Yeah. And I was really addicted to coffee um oh. up until then and then got really frustrated with coffee as a plant mm-hmm. because it didn't <laughs> do anything to make me less tired no. um, and kind of gave up drinking coffee and picked up nettles and it was just love it. I love the feeling I have nettles almost every morning and that's a really, it's just energizing in a totally different way. And is it tea? I drink it as a tea, but also I've taken on the go. I usually use um, the 1849 medicine garden nettles tincture because it's just easier to carry around. Yeah, um, it is. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. What about as a, as a vinegar? I also think, um, for friends, like the skeptics that I've mentioned, the, the skeptics, um, <laughs> you know who you are. Echinacea seems to be a really, because uh, in pop yeah. culture, I think it's, or I think like vitamin C echinacea is much more, you see it at right aid, you see right. it. It's yeah. common. Um, it's all accessible. Over. Mm-hmm. They come and they feel the tingle. Like, exactly. Oh, and it's totally oh, it beautiful. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. There was yeah. the echinacea plants at the medicine garden were really beautiful. And then they created some really great, I just think that's a really great gateway for people, yeah. if you will. Yeah. Um, Cause they see it. They are like, Oh, I know that name. I trust that. That sounds interesting. And, Mm-hmm. So it's a fun introduction to herbs. Wow. There's a lot of research on echinacea too, mm-hmm. so it's easy for people that are very skeptical mm-hmm. to put their hands There's on. They don't have to search very science. hard. Science is wonderful. <laughs> I like to call her the poster child of herbal medicine. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you to the eclectics for <laughs> celebrating this, this wonderful herb. So, folks, want to get hold of your book? Where are they looking? It's currently on sale online at our. Uh, online store, which is 1849medicinegarden.com slash store. (laughs) Slash store. Slash store. And you're on tour. So what are some of the, I know you're going to be over at Mrs. Thompson's, was it Gifts, Herbs? Herbs, Gifts, and Folklore. Thank you. (laughs) Don and Eugene. Mm -hmm. And then we're after that. So this week, we will be going to Portland and nope. No, you won't. We're headed no, south. <laughs> We're going down to Williams, Oregon. Visit my alma mater over down in, in Williams. Nice. Um, we're going to be at the Hawthorne Institute, though, which uh-huh. we're really excited about. Some friends there. And then uh, we'll be in Arcata. Uh-huh. And after that, we're still in the process of booking and we hope to be in Sonoma and Mendocino and Marin and then do a bunch of gigs in our hometown and in the Bay Area. Nice. Marin has a radio station. They have one show that's particularly on natural health that you might want to clue into. Maybe they would do a little interview with you. Sounds good. Thank you. We actually hope to get all the way to Tijuana. Oh, that'd be oh, cool. That'd, that'd be so cool. We're still making phone calls. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and then <laughs> and the book tour, the dates and, and venues are listed on the website. Mm-hmm. Again, that's 1849medicinegarden.com slash book tour. Woohoo! You're also accessible on Facebook. Yes. And Instagram. And, and Instagram. And Instagram. Our handle. Have a handle. Uh, yes, it's at 
1849 spelled out e-i-g-h-t-e-e-n-f-o-r-t-y-n-i-n-e she's good at spelling too she's really good (laughs) so clear well thank you both for being here as our guest it's been absolutely a pleasure to have you here thank you for having us thank you so much it's been fun um, for more information, links, or resources that we mention on this program, check out our show notes on realherbalismradio.com. You, please make sure you sign up for our free newsletter, which includes links to recipes, how-tos, and our ebooks written by the Practical Herbalist, as well as more detailed information on topics that we discuss on this podcast as we publish them on realherbalismradio.com. We're on Facebook. We are on Facebook. We are on Pinterest. We are on Pinterest, yes. We are on Twitter. We are on Twitter <laughs> and on Instagram. You can check out the hashtag the practical herbalist for mm-hmm. yeah some of our picks because I can't seem to stop clicking the shutter, but other people are starting to put, post on there too. I'm so yeah. excited to see other people's um, pictures showing up on the gallery. Yeah. And if people do book reviews or something like that for us, then we'll feature them on our newsletter as well. So you'll be incredibly famous. Yes. <laughs> fame, incredibly fame famous. galore. Well, thank you again for coming and, and all the way from the barrier to us. Thank you so much. Thanks. The show is brought to you by Practical Herbalist Press. Herbal books for today's Practical Herbalist. Find their books on Amazon.com today.